What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. On this episode, we have a very special episode. We are actually guests on We've Read the Documents YouTube Live. So this is a recording of a live recording that we did quite a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, And if you guys don't remember who that is, that is John Brisson. Right. His YouTube channel. And he was on to talk about the finders. Yes. We had him on for the finders about probably about a month ago or so. Yeah. And then he reached out to you and said, hey, I want you guys on on my podcast. And he does a live YouTube type podcast thing and it's on YouTube and we'll put the links in, in here so you can go check that out if you want. But yeah. we recorded it and we're going to have it for you to listen to. And it's yeah. a long one. It's a good one. But And it, I was going to say, it has our testimonies that I don't think either of us have ever said on here. That's right. So there's there's some good stuff to learn. Yeah, it was a real candid conversation and yeah. it was fun. Um, so what do you know, man? Oh, hey. Oh, my. <laughs> Did you know that I got, I got two for you today? Yeah. So I'm just going to read the numbers because it's going to be too hard. Okay. But 111111111. So nine ones. Okay. Times nine ones. Yes. Equals one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh, wow. Isn't that kind of cool? That's awesome. That is very cool. Yeah. I guess there's some mathematical reason for that, huh? Yeah. Also, did you know that the theory of Anne Frank being a lesbian was started by Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard that before? That like, oh, Anne Frank was a lesbian. She was a secret lesbian. No, I'd never heard that. Why, um, why would Ellen make that up? Why would she say that? Well, here you go. The theory of Anne Frank being a lesbian was started by Ellen DeGeneres after a few pages from her diary, which were originally withheld from publication by her father, Otto Frank, were finally publicized. However, these intra, uh Yeah, it says that she might have been a little curious. And she wasn't a lesbian. Uh, but uh, despite this, and I'm not going to read the quote because it's uh, dirty. Uh, despite this, DeGeneres insists... Anne was a full-on lesbian and wants her to be recognized as an icon of LGBT pride in the face of fascism. Oh. So if you there ever you heard go. that thing about Anne Frank being a lesbian, it's not true. It's not true. And Ellen DeGeneres made it up. She's a liar. Shame on you, Ellen. Shame on you, Ellen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for straightening that out for me. I yeah. was lost sleep wondering if <laughs> Anne Frank was... Uh, yeah, but, so... No Dude. baby update. We're just going to keep it short because it's a long episode. Yeah, this is a long episode. So no baby update. We'll catch. We'll catch you update next week on that. But yeah. and we were and hey, we missed Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thanksgiving. We we missed an episode because you were traveling and it was the holiday. Yep. And we were enjoying time with our families. So yeah. we give you an extra long episode when we came back. Yeah. How's that? Sounds good to me. It's like bonus. Yep. All right. Well, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. All right. Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to Deuce Talking Episode 30. Uh, no intro today. Um, with me, I have uh, good friends of the show, uh, Turner and Rosie, from the All Out War Podcast. Um, huge fans of listening to their podcast to cover 
uh, you know, relevant issues of modern day Christianity and the discussion of new age movement and discussion of uh, secret societies. And uh, I uh, welcome them uh, to our channel and they're, they're good uh, friends and, and brothers of Christ of the show. Um, Turner and uh, Rosie, are you guys both there? Hey, yeah. What's going on, man? Hey. Nothing much. Uh, just another Sunday. I woke up this morning and do as I always do. I listened to uh, uh, Wynn Worley uh, play one of his uh, old sermons on YouTube um, and read from the Bible as I do every Sunday. Um, sometimes if I'm able to, if I'm, I'm free enough, I, I go to a house church that my friend has. Um, or he's going to um, Bible school, Bible college. Um, and I try to go by there sometime. Um, and uh, not too much. Uh, how, how are you guys doing this Sunday? Yeah, I'm doing well. Getting over being a little sick, so I apologize for my voice. But yeah, it was good. Uh, I feel bad because it was a, I was a bad Christian. I slept in this morning because I was feeling ill. But uh, hopefully, it'll strengthen my body, and help me get over the sickness. So I think Jesus would be okay with <laughs> missing church this morning. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I'm doing great, John. I, uh, I, I it's been a good Sunday for me. Um, we, uh, we, I go to church as well, and uh, I actually was delivering a message today. So I always enjoy the honor of being able to open up God's word and present it to His people. And uh, it was it was a good time, and the Lord the Lord was uh, honored. I think so. <laughs> no one kicked me out, so I think I did okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to deliver the message, message Turner and Rosie. I'm pretty sure he's not going to hold it against you. If you're sick, he he definitely understands. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, so I guess I guess I guess we should first start off of uh, wanting to give our uh, guests our own personal testimonies of uh, of why we are Christians and how we became Christian. Um, myself, I like many people, um, was raised in the church as a child. Um, my mother was Catholic. Uh, my father was Protestant. He was raised Presbyterian. Um, I was baptized Catholic, um, and I of course would be later baptized Presbyterian. Um, after my mom passed away uh, when I was. Um, around the age of seven, eight. Um, and, uh, um, so she, you know, she, she, she was very staunch anti-abortion, even though she had systemic lupus. Um, uh, she wanted to, uh, have, you know, give birth to me, even though the doctors told her, um, to abort me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I was born three months, almost three months premature. I was born September 2nd. I was supposed to be born sometime mid December, mid to late December. um, because of complications during the pregnancy. Um, my father was following my mother by ambulance up to Chapel Hill. I live in Fayetteville. Um, and my father always claimed that um, there was a traffic jam and he got separated from my mother and he felt very ill, uh, that he's being spiritually attacked and he pulled over the side of the road and an angel of the Lord came to him and said that, um, that I would be born um, and that I would be um, healthy and that he should wow. not worry. That's and uh, amazing. so I, you know, my dad tells me that story, and of course, even to this day, he was like, you know, being Christian, I, I, it's still, you know, I, yeah, I had to wrestle with it, you know, because it's like I've never seen anything like that as far as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an angel appearing to me or, or anything like that, yeah. you know, but I mean, my dad was very, uh, was a very righteous man, so I have, you know, I, the rational side of my mind wants to, you know, but the faith, faith faithful side um, I, I do believe that that did, that did happen. And it was true. I, I survived. I, sh- I mean, you know, I, I weighed only a uh, m- little bit more than a pound. Um, I, you know, I, sh- I should have been dead. You know, I, I mean, multiple times in my life, I, I should have, I should have died. I have not. 
Um, so, you know, I was raised as a Presbyterian growing up after my mom died. I went to the local Presbyterian church. Um, I took, um, I, uh, I did what they did catechism where you make your, uh, uh, uh declaration of faith, mm-hmm. um, around age 11. Um, and I received a, a book that I still have it, a new King James version, uh, from my grandparents, um, that I still have. It's very well, ran- very well worn. I grew up uh, going to uh, Sunday school um, and going to church often and singing in the church choir um, throughout my adolescence. And then um, after my father passed away at age 18, there were time periods, too, where my father would take me um, uh, because my father, uh, you know, he was a very righteous man, but he also had to deal with his own uh, previous um, um, previous. I guess sins and stuff like that of using drugs in the seventies. He, he got hepatitis C. Yeah. Um, he was one of the first people diagnosed with hepatitis C in the late eighties. And, um, he started having liver failure and he got hooked on Oxycontin. Mm-hmm. Um, when they told him it was perfectly safe and he wouldn't be addicted to it again in the late nineties. Uh, so during that time period, we, um, went to a lot of, uh, uh, Pentecostal churches too, as well. I remember seeing my dad uh, speaking in tongues and then me trying to do it myself and never really being able to do it. Um, and, uh, doubting, you know, is, you know, really trying to come grips with my faith, you know, and that's been throughout my whole history is, is I do believe I have faith, but it, it's almost doubting Thomas in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, where the rational side of me, you know, it could be spirits, it could be Satan whispering in my ear, you know, that, you know, and, and everything. And, and so it's. It's interesting. So I, I, I fell away some after my father passed away. I stopped going to church. I still believed. I remember um, waking up to conspiracy uh, a little bit later, about 2008, mm-hmm. um, with Alex Jones. Um, and um, I remember certain things like Zekgeist, the movie Zekgeist coming out and completely saying that's bull crap, that you know Jesus was not the, the retelling of the Osiren myth. Yeah. Uh, did you see a lot of that in, in conspiracy culture today and just completely rejecting that? Um, and then eventually I always, you know, you experience culture, you see a lot of people saying, well, the church is lying to you, you know, a church is lying. And I still think the Vatican has lied a lot throughout history, whether it's, you know, the night, um, Knights Templar or the Jesuits, um, and, and everything. But because of that, I became Gnostic in my beliefs I, for, for a long time. I said for, uh, probably from, I want to say about 2013 to about 2016. Um, where I believe the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the God of the New Testament was uh, nothing but love. Um, and I uh, believe in the archons and everything. And um, I kind of got corrupted in that. And uh, and uh, started getting you know, a lot of New Age beliefs that happens to a lot of conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. And it was around that time that I found the work of Jesse Spot and the work of Michael Joseph. And then I realized, wait a minute, you're telling me that the Nag Hammadi Library is funded by the Rockefellers <laughs> and that all of the World Order people, they also have these Gnostic beliefs too as well. So that definitely can't be right. So actually I did the first time I hadn't done in a long time because I hadn't gone to church in years and everything. I started, I got my Bible out and started reading the Bible again. And then when I started reading the Bible again, I said, wow, I I really did not know as much as the Bible as I did. I thought I did as, as a, you know, reading it as a teenager and as a child, you know, and I started realizing, I was like, Oh, well the God of the old Testament is the God of the new Testament. They're both the same. Um, there's enough, uh, you know, biblical, um, uh, what's the right word when you, when you're able to look at the old Testament, how it matches and lines up with the new Testament. 
as far as prophecy, there's a specific word for it. Um, but you, you can start linking them together and everything. And, and because of that, I, um, I rejected Gnosticism completely yeah. about 2017. Um, and, uh, God delivered me and, and, you know, I was always, I'd always been a Christian. I always believed in Jesus, but it wasn't the same. I was, you know, I was thinking heresy at the time. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, he brought me back and it was through reading his word. It was through praying to him. It was through building a relationship back to God, um, that I had, uh, missed previously beforehand, um, that, that had really fostered that. Um, and I remember one time when I, after my father had died, I remember, um, being really angry with God. I wasn't angry with God when my son Abel passed away, actually. I, at that time, even I was a Gnostic, I still, or had not, so, you know, was flirting with Gnosticism at that time. I still believe that there was a reason why my son had been brought to this earth. Um, and, and that the reason why God had taken him so soon, um, you know, and, and that it was his will, you know, and, and it was, it was nothing, I was angry like I was with my dad. You know, I remember one time telling my grandparents, and my grandparents were both very Christ-centered too. Um, they, were, they were Presbyterian. Um, my grandpa always had very strong faith like my father, and my uncle does too, um, that um, that uh, I don't believe in God anymore because my dad died, you know. And I remember, you know, just thinking that and feeling that and just, you know, being just embarrassed, just being embarrassed of saying that and just knowing it's wrong in my soul. Yeah. You know, that I don't really believe that, um, you know, and, and being just ashamed of. It. And that's, you know, where I am, you know, today through all of this is God delivered me back to um, having his faith and, and reading his word and, and, and being with him. And I, I greatly appreciate uh, through that. And I understand now more than ever that no matter what happens, it is his, it is his divine will. It is objective truth. Um, and whatever I've gone through in my life or what anybody else has gone through in their life, um, you know, it, 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 is, it is due to that. Mm. And I may not understand, you know, I may not understand why my mom died when I was young and my father and my son, I lost a son. I may not completely understand that at all, but I do know that there is purpose behind that. There are reasonings for that. And I should not be angry with God uh, because of that, because Job wasn't angry with God. You know, when Job, um, you know, when Job and God, I guess, had their confrontation, um, and, and God, you know, God asked Job, you know, where were you? Um, you know, I, where, who am I? Where was I when God designed all of this? You know, how dare I question, you know, why, how dare I question his will? It's mm -hmm. not up to me. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's my testimony. Um, and, and, you know, why am I, why am I Christian? Cause I, I, you know, I, I see God everywhere. I, I saw God through my son. Yeah. Uh, my father, my whole entire life. I just, you know, at spiritual warfare is real. I'm down in the trenches fighting the world order and mm. their, their beliefs in Satanism and the new age every day. And, and, you know, and now I see it with, with my eyes completely being open with my heart, you know, receiving the Holy spirit. I see it now more than, than any, any time in my life, mm. you know, and, and that's, that's, where we're at, you know, I mean that we are, li we are, we are living in times of spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, and absolutely. I'm sorry that I was blind to it beforehand and it, because I wasn't reading the word, wasn't praying to God. I wasn't communicating with the Holy spirit and I was blind to that for years. Mm. You know, John, man, first of all, thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. Um, with your story about your dad and then yeah. your son. I mean, 
my heart goes out to you and your your attitude towards it is incredible and i think that um whenever i think about god identifying with my pain and my sorrow i just remember he does know what it feels like to lose a son you know his son was put on the cross and so um he knows exactly what that what that feels like and I, that just brings comfort to me i don't know if that makes sense to you at all but it it, it does and also my uncle at the time told me the i think it was the tell of king david about how he was mourning his son mm-hmm. um mourning his son and then when his son died he stopped mourning and they are asking why aren't you mourning and he goes well he's with god why 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 would i be mourning that's right you know he's not here anymore that's right yeah. um and yeah and my son is with god and i'm not yeah. I'm not, I'm not mourning. He, why, you know, I, I think about Abel all the time. Um, I wish he was here. Of course, that's, that's the human side of me. Yeah. Um, but as a father too, but you're right. God understands God, you know, lost his own son. God has lost many children, you know, as far, I mean, you know, many children are with him, you know, but I mean, you know, God knows what loss is. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, right. it's undeniable. Um, it's, I'm by many children, I meant, you know, people, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you know, and he, he sees the sorrow that we have and everything. And he's, it's not like he's unknowing or uncaring to that. Um, and, and, and it's sad, you know, some people, when they lose a family member, they turn away from God, yeah. you know, because they, 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 har- they harbor, um, anger and, um, they, you know, and, and I did a little bit with my father with that. Yes. But with, but, but by the time Abel, I was more spiritual, mature, and realized, you know, I, there's a purpose to all of this. And Abel touched many people's lives, many nurses that he was involved with and people that were around him. And maybe that was his purpose here on earth was just to, to touch those lives in a short amount of time. I don't know. But, you know, it, it's God's will and I trust God and, 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 you know, and it is what it is, you know. And, and, and so, I, I mean, God delivered me through that time period and that's where I am here today. Yeah. So. Man, I have something written in, in the front of my Bible that I wrote when I went through a real hard trial about four or five years ago, it, and it, it says this. It says, affliction is not something to be endured in order to reach glory. It is the process that creates the glory. And uh, I always try and remind myself that in the, in the midst of pain and sorrow and suffering, there is something deeper happening that is instrumented by the hand of God himself and his great love for me. And... Uh, just knowing that he understands what I'm going through is always the first line of comfort that I have, you know, that I'm not alone. He identifies with this. And as you said, which is the greatest hope is that as a Christian, when we have someone that knows the Lord, we don't grieve as the world grieves because we know that we're going to see them again. And I just love that, you know, because my loved ones that have gone on that were in faith, um, I will see them again and we'll have a big party in heaven. We're going to rejoice and celebrate, you know, (laughs) And it'll be no more grieving, and no more sorrow. But man, that's incredible. Um, do you want to hear my testimony, or do you want to start, Rosie? Or nope, you're already talking. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank, I wanted to tell you too. Thanks for inviting us on, man. It's such an yeah, honor to be with you, you know, and and your YouTube audience. Um, thanks for giving us a chance to just be here <laughs> and hang out. We we uh, any any time. Yeah. So. Um, my testimony is is pretty unique in the sense that um, I came from an unbelieving family, and I was the first person to receive Christ in my family. Um, and it was uh, it was sort of a Damascus Road experience. Um, my parents went through a divorce when I was twelve years old, and I lost 
connection with my dad almost completely. I was very angry at him. I have a twin sister and I have an older sister who's seven years older. And my twin sister went the route um, through the divorce. Her response was, I'm going to get straight A's and I'm going to be this academic, you know, star. And she was the captain of, captain of the cheerleading team and, you know, straight A's. She got a math degree to Virginia Tech, um, just really um, just brilliant, bright and driven. I went the opposite way in the response. <laughs> I went the rebellious way where... I basically was a, an accomplished wrestler in high school, and I threw that all away. Um, I had been on the Junior Olympic wrestling team. I practiced with the Marine Corps wrestling team out of Quantico in the summer times, and I was ranked in on the East Coast in my weight class. And I just threw it all away and started partying, doing drugs, drinking. I was also an amateurly sponsored skateboarder and snowboarder, which is a weird combination, I know, but that's what I did. And that lifestyle led me more into the partying because that's what a lot of those guys do. Um, I ended up at 17 getting my girlfriend pregnant. She already had a four-year-old little girl. And I thought, well, I guess I need to marry this girl and uh, make it real and make it right. Even though I wasn't a Christian, I had never stepped foot into a church before. And she said, no, no way. I want an abortion. And I said, okay. So I gave her 400 bucks to get an abortion. And uh, that was on a Friday after I got paid. I remember because I got paid. I drove down to her house. Obviously, through her getting pregnant, it caused a lot of stress in our relationship. And there was even like questions on who who it was, whose baby it was, because uh, I was, you know, we, neither of us were really faithful in our, in our relationship. We were just, <laughs> just knuckleheads, I guess. But... Um, what happened was uh, a friend of mine, she was in my neighborhood. She was also friends with my girlfriend, and she invited both of us to come to this home group at on a Wednesday night. And I agreed to go if my girlfriend was going to go, and she agreed to go if I would go. And so we both agreed to go. And I showed up at the home, at the house on a Wednesday night, and, and uh, she never showed up. <laughs> so I'm inside this house with one person that I know and about 10 other people that I'd never seen before in my life. And uh, they basically, we start, we were just hanging out and eating potato chips and just chilling. And uh, and then the leader guy picks up a guitar and he says, hey, we're going to sing a couple songs. So they sang a couple Christian worship songs. And uh, I just kind of sat there and looked around and I, I literally did not know what was happening. I was trying to figure out how to get out of there and uh, went like what my escape method would be. <laughs> And uh, so uh, he stopped singing this song. He did like three songs. And then he starts talking about this character named David and how he had been through all these things. And he was reading from the Psalms, and I didn't know what it was. And I thought he was talking about a guy named David that he knew, like an individual, because <laughs> he spoke of him the way, like like he knew him. And, yeah. um, and I was just really confused. And so, <laughs> so he... Uh, He's he straightened me out on that real quick, and uh, which was he was really kind. This guy was really kind, and um, and we get to the end of the meeting, and they said, "Well, who needs prayer?" And I said, "Well, you guys can pray for me." And I just knew I needed prayer. I just didn't want to say what everything was. And they said, "Okay, we'll pray for you." And so they grabbed a chair and they put it in the middle of the room, and they said, "Go ahead and have a seat. We're going to pray for you." And I at this point was like. 50 50 this is a cult or i need to run 
you know, like I didn't know what it was, but I think the drugs that I had been doing, I, nothing could be worse than those things. So I figured they, these people can't hurt me. And uh, so I sat down and uh, they all gathered around. They put a hand on me and they started to pray for me. And I just remember the guy that had been singing, he just looked at me and he just said, just close your eyes. We're going to ask the Lord to touch you. And I, so I did. And it was just a small gesture of faith on my part. And when I did that, um, it, this is where it gets kind of crazy, but I literally saw a light and I felt about a million pounds lift off of me. And I felt just weight and darkness inside me leave. And I just began to weep and I didn't know what was happening. I wasn't sure what was going on in the moment. I just knew that I had experienced something really, really unique and extremely powerful. So I was just kind of like like undone. And so uh, after about 45 minutes, I got it back in my car and I drove home. And on the way out the door, this girl that had invited me, she handed me a Bible and she took the ribbon in the Bible and put it into the Gospel of John. And she says, here, do you have a Bible? I was like, no, I don't. And she goes, why don't you take this? You can read it. And I put the marker in on the book of John. You should start reading it there. And I was like, okay, cool. So I took it, I put it in my car, drove home. Uh, the next day I was on my way to work and I used to get high every morning on the way to work. And the guy that I was driving with, he, I just said, man, I just don't feel like I need this right now. And I, I said, something crazy happened last night. And I started to you know, explain it to him. And he just laughed at me and made fun of me. Anybody that's un, an unbeliever, they, they just don't understand it and they make fun of you a little bit. And that's what he did. But uh, which at the time I was like, you have no idea what you're missing, man. God is real. He is real. Like he revealed himself to me. This is, this is no joke. And uh, so the next couple of days I was just on this high. That's the best way I can describe it. I wasn't getting high and I, and I completely broke it off with my girlfriend and I was reading in the Gospel of John where the my friend put the bookmarker, and I got into John chapter 3, and it says, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And I just, when I read those words, I felt this weight on my heart, and I was very concerned because I said, man, I've had this touch of God, but am I born again? And so I picked up the phone and I called my friend, her name was Wendy, the one that gave me the Bible, and I said, Wendy... Uh, I need to ask you a question. I was just reading the Bible, and it says, unless I'm born again, I will not see the kingdom of heaven. Am I born again? <laughs> and she goes, well, you can be if you're not. And I was like, what do I do? How do I do this? And uh, she goes, we can pray. And so we prayed on the phone right there in that moment. And and I believe that, you know, this is where I believe I was saved before that. There was regenerated power within me uh, yeah. before that. I think what God did was he made me aware of what was happening. And, and he made it, he basically put a seal right there for me, you know, in that moment that I had a, a moment on a phone, on a phone call where I could look back to and say, no, I prayed. That was the day. I remember that, but I attribute it to that Wednesday night. That, that was, that was the day that you follow through and you, you, that was the day that you reached out yeah, to receive the Holy spirit. That was the day that your soul had, re and we're, we're later we talk about dominionism and double predestination and predestination and everything. Yeah, yeah. Your testimony is proof that pre-double pre destination is, is nonsense, sort of doctrine of election. Yeah. You you were the one who 
decided to, you know, you bridge the connection. I'm not saying that Jesus and God didn't nudge you, right. you know, yeah. but you were the one who opened your heart. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I opened my heart when the guy looked at me in the chair and said, just close your eyes. We're going to ask the Lord to touch you. I really opened my heart in that moment. Like I was like, I, okay, I believe God's real. So let's see what happens. You know, <laughs> even though I had no clue what I was about to do and what was about to happen. But after that moment, there, a couple things happened after I, after we prayed on the phone. Um, I had a, a learning disability that was pretty radical. It was dyslexia and um, some other stuff connected to that. Um, every time that I would read the Bible, it would not affect me. It was the craziest thing. I could read other books and, and stuff and it would affect me. But if I was reading the Bible, it just wouldn't affect me. And um, it wasn't it wasn't a burden for me to read the Bible. I actually read the entire Bible probably in about a month and a half, and then I started on it a second time. And um, I was truly, it was I was probably very annoying to the church that I was going to because I would learn stuff from reading the Bible, and I would take it to my small group on that Wednesday, and <laughs> I would be telling the leader what God was doing um, because I had experienced it and read it. You know, like I would read something in the morning and then I would experience something that would confirm what I'd read um, in the daytime at work or whatever. And so um, I was just this sponge of God's Word, and I loved it. And I, I still do really love it. My favorite thing to do is read God's Word. But um, what happened was is it became it, my girlfriend at that time still wanted to get this abortion, and a friend, this wonderful woman in the church found out that she was pregnant and that I had given her money for an abortion. And she said to me, "Do you know that that's you can't do that? That's murder. You need to, you know, um, you need to ask her not to do it. We'll help you." And she was a wealthy woman. She says, "We'll help you. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll put it up for adoption. Whatever we need to do, but we need to try and keep this baby." And I, I agreed, and so I went back to my girlfriend, and unfortunately, she had already gotten the abortion at that point. And so I was carrying around a big weight of that for many, many years, even to the point of my when I had my first child after I got married. Um, I married a wonderful Christian woman, and um, I have a 20-year-old daughter, and when we had her after we were married, um, I felt guilty for even having you know, a child that I, you know, I felt like, man, I murdered one. Why would I, why would God even want to give me another? And it took some time for me to get over that guilt and for the Lord to really set me free and through his love, you know, and his grace, because that's really what it was. And so um, after that, um, you know, uh, shortly after I was a believer, um, when, about a year or so, I felt like I was um, being prodded to go become a pastor. I, and I didn't know what to do. So I went on a, a year-long missions trip uh, to Russia, and we started off down in Texas. And um, then I tried to plant a church with some people, and I never really went to Bible college or anything like that because I um, started this business. And uh, and after I got married, and it was doing fairly well, and then a church approached me at some point about 15 years ago and asked me to uh, be a youth pastor. And I stayed with them for quite a while. And through that time of being on staff with that church, being paid to to teach and preach, I basically put myself through through Bible college. I studied and read and just devoured anything I could on theology. You know, when you have to teach it, you have to learn it and you have to work it out in your own self first. And that was probably the best thing for me. You know, I sitting and listening to a, a you know, professor in a 
in a classroom probably would have put me to sleep, honestly. <laughs> so um, that's my story in a nutshell. My twin sister ended up becoming a believer, and my mom, um, who was raised in the faith, I didn't know this, but she returned to the faith a few years after I became a believer. And um, so we're still waiting on my dad and my my other sister. We're praying for them to come into faith. So, but yeah, that's my story. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony, uh, Turner. And yes, God did. He, he, he delivered you. You know, you, you chose to accept the Holy Spirit into your life. Um, and um, he, he delivered you because you made that choice. You know, you became one of the sheep into the flock of the Good Shepherd. And uh, now he's, you know, using you to bring other lost sheep back into the fold as well. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> that, 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 you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's you, you got a, quite a story. As someone who went from not believing uh, to, to believing, you know, someone who wasn't a Christian or grew up as a Christian, you know, I always believe those testimonies are, are very important because, you know, a lot of non-believers can look at me and just say I was brainwashed by my parents and my grandparents um, from the beginning, what they called me growing up with Christian proclivities. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore that's why I chose to be a Christian. Um, and, um, no, that's not, that's not true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I but, lost, I lost every friend that I had, um, when I became a believer. Um, like one guy I really, I deserved, <laughs> I act, I was so zealous, but I just didn't have knowledge. And I, um, grabbed his bag of weed and flushed it down the toilet and I was like, dude, you need Jesus. You don't need this drugs. You don't need these drugs. You need to turn to Christ, man. And and uh, and he was so angry at me because I just flushed his weed, you know. And this is back in the late 80s. So, you know, weed was a lot more than it is now. Uh, now, unfortunately, it's just common. But, um, but yeah, I lost all my friends. And even my twin sister was so resentful of me uh, in my faith because she was convicted, um, you know, she was convicted of her lifestyle. Um, she was she was at college and she was partying and doing all that stuff, and she knew that I had moved away from all of that pretty radically, and it wasn't me. It was just a, I had been changed by God. So, anyways. Well, thank you for your testimony, Turner. I, I greatly appreciate it. All right, Rosie, you're up next to the play, brother. All right. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I don't know if I can uh, weave a story so elegantly as you guys have <laughs> but um yeah so i, I guess mine's kind of similar in um it's kind of similar to both of you guys is like uh little pieces uh relate a lot to uh both of you so i, I grew up in a church um my parents i guess are what are they called considered lapsed catholics i guess they're both raised catholic and they're part of uh i guess just as some backstory they were the typical boomer uh you know Catholicism of you know Vatican II and they didn't like that stuff and so they left and we were raised um, actually in a bunch of different kinds of churches because we grew up uh, most of my childhood it grew up overseas and so it was a lot of you know they have Catholic churches everywhere but we weren't Catholic so we just go to whatever English speaking church was close by so it was more so convenience and um, in some of the countries we lived there wasn't uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of choice. Sometimes it was just one and you had one service. So grew up in that. And um, so I always, always was raised, uh, you know, in the faith and never really, it's funny as I go through, I guess a little bit of my testimony, I never 
had doubts that like God existed. It was more so that um, I didn't even, it, it got to the point where I was like, I don't even care. Like, I don't feel any, uh, you know, like he can exist. He can do whatever he wants. Kind of like, maybe kind of in, I don't know, uh, divine watchmaker kind of uh, illusion kind of thing. Like he's there. He Someone built it. I know that. And, you know, but I don't know if he has anything to do with me in a personal way or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, a, a little bit of my story. Had a pretty crazy childhood growing up overseas, all these crazy things. Just cra- it, was, it was a lot of craziness, madness. And uh, I guess a, a little bit the, – the biggest part of my testimony, I guess I would say, is that uh, I, I've since gotten sober, clean sober um, – from all mood and mind-altering substances, they say. And it's kind of cool that uh, we're doing this today. Um, so today is, not, is officially nine and a half years um, since uh, since I've been clean sober, which is kind of a cool thing for a, a guy that's 29 years old. So I got sober. <laughs> I got sober pretty young. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, one of the, the coolest things – or it's not the coolest thing um, – I remember like the first time I had all this craziness just happening everywhere. And uh, for me, I remember I was eight or nine years old. We were living in this, um, you know, S-hole country, as some people might say, this third world country. And uh, they didn't have a lot of uh, good uh, – they didn't have the EPA, the brother e- big brother EPA looking over them. I remember they were just spraying all these pesticides and stuff uh, in the street. And my friends and I rode our bikes through – these like thick clouds, they're probably DDT. And uh, at the end of them, we were just like laughing and goofy and like lightheaded and like, oh, this is this is awesome. So that was like the first kind of thing that made me, um, I guess, forget about all the craziness. Nothing mattered, you know? Like it was just like this mind-altering uh, substance at the point, you know, brought me to this altered state of consciousness that I didn't worry about anything about where I was, all the craziness happening outside of me. It and was kind of like a, kind of like a, a toxin in a way. Oh, um, it kind of, kind of let demonic spirits and demons kind of whisper and don't worry about anything. Don't care. Yeah. You know, like LSD and other type of, you know, drugs do, exactly. um, you know, kind of separate you from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I remember, like, immediately, I didn't know, I couldn't verbalize it like that. I just knew, like, this was awesome. (laughs) I wanted that experience. And that's what drove. Like, so I was eight or nine. I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those guys, you know, right away. Oh, yeah, you know, getting, doing, you know, all this crazy stuff, super young. Um, Then started drinking. We moved to a different area of the world where it was a lot easier a lot easier to get alcohol, so I started drinking uh, pretty young. Because um, I always, I'd always say that the uh, they'd let you order a beer if you could, you know, order the word, you know, order a beer. And in the country we were in, the word for beer is also the English word beer. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> different spelling. So you know, it wasn't hard to get alcohol and all that stuff. And uh, you know, I, I was going to say I uh, was, you know, I I'd like to think I was pretty bright as a student, uh, you know, pretty smart, halfway intelligent. And, uh, you know, as soon as like, I I found that thing again, you know, found alcohol, I was like, boom, this is it. Don't, this is like that feeling that everything was crazy because living overseas and all the craziness happened. Um, I guess I'm, so I'm 29. So that when I started drinking, it was probably right around, uh, 
I was probably like, like 11 or 12. It, it wasn't, you know, just on the weekends with buddies when we can go steal like something out of the supermarket or whatever. But it was, uh, there's a lot of calamity in the world. And so again, it was just, I just don't have to worry about all the craziness happening everywhere and, uh, and in my backyard. And, uh, so that was just like the story. You know, I just like, as soon as I reconnected with that feeling of whatever, boom, was gone. Didn't care about God. Didn't care about anything spiritual. It was just tracing that, uh, the, it, it was more so than just like the, the feeling of being like feeling good or anything like that. It was just, uh, in my mind, I wanted to completely build a world that had no, um, semblance to reality at all. I wanted to completely escape reality. That was my whole goal. And, uh, later on, uh, which happens, which happens to many people who chase that high. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, they they, they want to avoid reality because it's too painful or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so it was, uh, I was introduced. We moved back to the States, um, in the early two thousands, mid two thousands. And I uh, was introduced as soon as I got to high school here, they're like, Hey, have you ever had hallucinogens? And I was like, Nope. And then we had, and then I dropped acid for the first time. And I was like, boom, this is done. I completely, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I remember like the greatest achievement that I had in my head, like the peak life that I wanted was to get as much, like as many, my, my dream, which is, it was crazy, get a couple grams of LSD, shoot it up, go live in a cabin, write philosophy and like never be bothered ever again, grow a big beard and just like escape, <laughs> you know, total Ted K thing. That was my hope. I just want to disconnect from reality, both physically and mentally and just never come back and just write crazy philosophy. And I'm not a violent person, so I wouldn't do anything crazy, but just completely disconnect. And, uh, so just some crazy circumstances happening. Um, before that time, uh, I did a bunch of inpatient treatment facilities. Um, my parents, it was hard to hide what was going on. So I got sent uh, all over the country to all these different uh, crazy rehabs and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I guess the, uh, and all the time, you know, this, I was completely just bonkers. Like when I got, uh, I got to the last treatment center, they did this, uh, they're introducing this new thing in, the, like I said, 2010, and they did this um, brain mapping uh, thing to try to, like, neuro, it was paired with neural feedback, and they could, you know. Wow, really? Yeah, do these brainwave things and try to bring back uh, people that were having mental um, mental issues as a result of prolonged drug use. And uh, so, the, so I was, like, the ideal candidate <laughs> when they went in. You know, it was, uh, they did the initial scan and, uh, like I was said that last time I get, I had a brief stint of sobriety after a couple of treatment centers prior to this last one in June, uh, 2010. And when I came in, they did the scan and, uh, the guy, the doctor that you looked it over with me a couple of days later with the results, he was like, look, man, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna be straight with you. Um, you have the mental facilities of like a seven year old going into early onset dementia. He's like, nothing is working properly. Your brain is shutting down. Um, and it was, I mean, I was just abusing, uh, my drug of choice was just hallucinogens. I couldn't, you know, it'd take me 30 seconds to respond to people to tell them what my name was, you know, stuff like that. I couldn't remember where I was from. Didn't, would wake Jeez. up, just freak out, uh, had full, you know, full on 
this happened for a couple of years into sobriety, even after stuff um, would see full on open eyed hallucinations. Couldn't really drive very well, but I needed a license, so I didn't tell anybody. Um, you know, <laughs> anyone that could take away my license, I was dangerous. You know, I just go over to the side of the road and you know get uh you know the whole everything was spinning you know alice in wonderland effect like all the time so that's kind of where i started and um you know ever since then uh i guess the one of the ways that i got sober i'm i won't mention anything but it's a a spiritual program it's based on christian you know christian teachings although they won't say that and um but you know it was a really this reconnection with god that could um, that was emphasized. And for me, it was not a default thing. And like I said, when I was going through and I was doing all sorts of crazy stuff, we had just crazy people. So I've done a lot of ayahuasca, done a lot of DMT, done a lot of mescaline, like everything, you know, all the crazy stuff we could get. And so, you know, I, I done all that stuff and, you know, had, um, still had that relationship cause I, you know, quote unquote knew that there was stuff out there. And um, I came back and just started reading the Bible and it like just made sense to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, so it wasn't really hard for me to recome back to faith, if that makes sense, after my brain cleared. And um, <laughs> I, 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 I like the term that you're talking about, you know, brainwashing. And the way I always kind of viewed it is, um, you know, prior to getting really deep or as deep as I am now probably into reading the Bible and thinking theologically and reading, you know, just digesting as much as I can was, you know, if this is, if this is legitimately, uh, maybe this is a, a version of Pascal's wager in a way, but if it's uh you know, if this is brainwashing, then my brain was pretty dirty. So like, you know, <laughs> like in a sense, if this could, if this could wash it, that's totally cool. I'm like, cool. I'm even if this is a cult, this all logically makes sense. I know that this is true. And I don't care, like you know. Um, and uh, it, it's been a it's been a pretty cool journey over the, you know, over the time. Um, I was gonna say it's uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I was absolutely crazy. Got, you know, been in institutions, psych wards, suicide cells, all that crazy stuff. Um, your your story, yeah. Rosie, is very very similar to my father. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, he used copious amounts of psychedelics in the sixties and the seventies, and um. He died in, uh, from a heroin overdose and was brought back to life in his early 20s before he strengthened his faith in the Lord. And uh, the Lord delivered him just like he delivered you. Um, yeah. You know, and he listened to you through the podcast and everything. I never would have thought. Because <laughs> I've coached many people through Fix Your Gut, you know, many people have done psychedelics and destroyed their gastrointestinal system, mm -hmm. a microbiome, and destroyed their mental health. MDMA is ecstasy is probably the worst. Oh, yeah. Um, in yeah. my opinion, especially on pure uh, ecstasy and this oxidative stress and mitochondrial toxicity to the brain. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad, man. I'm glad you found your way back um, and, and you, you accepted, you know, the Holy Spirit back into your life. And, and speaking from you now, you know, listening to you now, I would, I would have never thought all of that. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I mean, that's very similar to my father. Very, very similar. Yeah, I, I, I will end up. I don't want to take so much time. I feel like I've been rambling forever. But I was going to say, it's funny that uh, it's it, it's been a. I had this instance right before uh, I got so my clean date or sobriety date is June eighth, twenty ten, and I had to wait two year two weeks until I got into this last treatment center. And uh, one of the big things that uh, I remember, like I, 
it was one of these things I was determined that I didn't want to get sober again. I uh, was just like, you know what, this isn't going to work. This is BS, whatever. And uh, so I was driving down this uh, this big highway near us and uh, was going to go kill myself. And, and this is a really weird thing that has come since getting stronger in, in faith and everything like that. I was talking with, uh, I don't know, we were talk- I was talking with Turner at, off topic, you know, outside a different place. And it took like the, the the story of this is that it took years for me, like seven years after the fact to realize I'm like, oh, yeah, like that was God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself and like bringing me out of all these instances. So it's crazy looking back now where I can see God's, uh, you know, fingerprints and like the the roadmap almost, if you will, of getting sober. But so I was driving on this highway. I was in the left lane, you know, probably about a week or two sober. I was going to go. uh planning on just going and killing myself because I was like, I don't want to go through all this again, getting sober, all this craziness. And uh, so I, I, I had had this car that my parents had bought me. It was probably, it was like a year or two old. Um, it was like, you know, really good condition. And all of a sudden, when I was getting up to the place where I was going to go uh, kill myself, and it, like again, you know, five lane, big highway, left lane, all of a sudden my engine just seized on itself, started smoking, caught on fire, and there was nobody on the highway behind me after all. And I was able to pull off all the way into this Burger King um, parking lot. And uh, that was where I just looked at it and I was like, okay, God, I don't know how you cleared this highway behind me so that I was able to get over across five lanes of traffic while my car was seized and the engine, car was totaled. Um, They couldn't fix it. They're like, it's, you know, it's whatever. And uh, I remember that was I, – I wish I knew the day of that, but I was just in such a fog still. But I think that was the day when I, I looked at that. I looked at the car, looked back at the highway, and I was like, all right, cool. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll turn my life over to you. I'll let you run it as you want and uh, because obviously you, you want me to give this sobriety thing a shot again. Um, yeah. I can't, I can't explain it. The, you know, we took it to the, the – car people they're like we have no idea what happened there's oil in the end you know everything's fine and uh so that was i I guess my the the linchpin of when i was like just gave up and i guess maybe recommitted was sometime in the period between you know in mid-june 2010 so yeah that's it i just want to add that little kind (laughs) of crazy story that happened to me and uh yeah so that's my that's my testimony and i thank your testimony and thank you for giving it uh, yeah, Rosie, yeah. and I think it's very important too, because even though you were raised in the church, how many people have fallen to the waysides of, of psychedelics and drug use and, and people thinking it's innocent in this new age world that we live in, where you can drop LSD. And I'm not going to say that marijuana doesn't have any medical uses, you know, CBD and stuff like that. It does, yeah. but, uh, or, and, and I don't think alcohol really has any use other than being a, a, a disinfectant <laughs> um, <laughs> or antiseptic if you put it on your skin, I guess. Um, yeah. but you know, I, I, I do think that it is a problem in the world that we live in that we're told, um, that these psychedelics will open up uh, new realms mm-hmm. to us and be able to communicate with God or gods or aliens or how many people talk about the different communications they have. I really honestly think that the psychedelics are mainly used to communicate with the fallen angels, uh, yeah. to communicate with demons and spirits and that most people uh, use them. Uh, do not communicate with God, uh, do not communicate with Jesus, and doing so, it, it opens them up. 
um, especially if they're if, if, if they are going into it without any knowledge or anything like that, going into it blindly can open them up to demonic possession um, yeah. and, and leads them away from the Holy Spirit, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, and I was going to say, just when you brought up that point, I was thinking, um, it's interesting that I, I can't think of any other, like, you know, because there's all these Native American, uh, the, the little bit I've done about other uh looked into other religions and stuff like that, but it's a very native thing where they're talking about, Oh yeah, we use these substances to communicate with God or these altered states of consciousness that are found in, um, other religions or beliefs. Uh, I was going to say it's very anti-Christian. There's nothing, I guess I know that there's a, uh, I think I've seen a little bit of this, um, probably justification that I was looking for back in the day, but uh, yeah. I think it was Graham Hancock that wrote, um, it might yeah. have been. I think it was him where he was trying to rewrite the whole thing. It's this whole psychedelic Joe Rogan, whatever thing that they try to say. You talk, you talk about Christianity and, 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 and code of the, the code of the, uh, uh, and mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. And when they say like the <laughs> yeah. burning bush experience of Moses yep. was actually, yeah, it was all, yeah, it was all animuscaria. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, that's so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, right there, that's the, the, you can see that example of trying to write into, um, biblical history and stuff like that is just one of these ways that the the, the enemy is trying to trick people yeah. or you know get them to uh, relax their guard on a bit. You know. Well, what's amazing to me too is that all of these things are man's attempt to get to God. Yeah. Where the gospel is completely about God coming to man. Yeah. And he he gives us his spirit. He he dies in our place. He is sent to become you know the sacrifice for us so that all those things that are required can be done because we can never do them on our own. And that's what I love about the whole idea. I mean, he says, I'm going to, I think in the gospel of John, somewhere around 14, he says, I'm going to give you my spirit, my helper, you know, to be with you, to be in you. And I just love that because now where these drugs open up, and by the way, in the book of Revelation, it talks about those that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and it, and one of them, it says those that practice sorcery. Mm -hmm. And the Greek word for that is pharmakia. And so our word drugs, pharmakia, pharmaceutical, the drugs open you up. They're a spiritual thing. So they, they are a gateway to open up to the spiritual realm that a lot of people don't realize, a lot of Christians don't realize. And even marijuana, as accepted as it is today, it is one of those... A gateway, yeah, <laughs> gateway drug in a, a different it, way than maybe yeah, we think. Truly a gateway drug, man. Yeah, yeah for right, you know? So anyway, I just wanted to add that in. So no, I, I believe I do believe there is there is uh, cannabinoid power within the CBD and the THC to some degree if, if used synergistically. If you have cancer, for example, yeah. Uh, but again, you you'd have to use it within a Christian mindset. You know, it can't open you up. You know, it's definitely a gateway drug to higher psychedelics. Um, it yeah. can definitely cause a lot of major issues. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in that degree, you know. A lot of uh, anesthetizing type medications too could also yeah. uh, mm -hmm. cause similar propofol, cause similar hallucinations and everything when a person comes out of it and everything. So um, yeah, but it's interesting how now that they're trying to you know make ketamine uh, as a drug for depression and they're trying to push yeah. it. Uh, I know Matthew North has done a lot of res research with the Maps Institute yeah. uh, and everything, and, and then trying to push forward. It's interesting how it always pushes forward when Republicans are in office. Uh, but yeah. I won't get into that conspiracy conspiratorial side here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, but, but uh, 
I was just going to say, they, I mean, Julian Huxley, brother of Aldous Huxley back in the day, I mean, the connections, they, it, it, it's not just, you know, it's been around for in our Western culture forever. I'm sure all yeah. your audience knows about that, but yeah, it's, oh um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> And then, you know, trying to push uh, Anita Muscaria's, you know, the burning bush or, or any, any of the miracles were because it's, it's, it's just, it's just it's Graham Hancockism and it's <laughs> yeah. just the most ludicrous thing in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, and a lot of it is just, you know, Joe Rogan is put forth to people like, how does he, again, another question is, is how do they do all these copious, it talks about doing all, all these copious amounts of drugs or doing them. Uh, allegedly within, you know, during the podcast, you know, DMT vapes and, and, mm-hmm. and tripping on it. Like, it, you know, that's admission. He should be, you know, legally, if you're looking at it from that regard, you know, it's a crime and, you know, and why isn't Joe Rogan being arrested? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> uh, and you could talk, you know, some people say libertarians, you know, drug legalization. I understand that, but I'm just saying, you know, here you have Joe Rogan, you know, do, you know, talk, you know, doing these psychedelics, you know, pot is legal in Colorado, but the other ones aren't. Yeah. You know, and 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 it, and it being pushed there and being put forward as you need this as a way to. That's the thing is, is as Christians, don't we? You know, we come to God. We don't need anything, and He comes to us. We don't need anything to to bridge that gap, and especially as Protestants too. We don't exactly. need a <laughs> father, a pope to do that, or right. or a church father, and we don't need a psychiatric drug. Or a psychedelic drug mm-hmm. uh, to do that either, you know. Yeah, I mean, you can open up your Bible, pray to God, speak with God, and you know He will speak, you know, back to you. You know, we, you know He will show you um, the way. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be as Christians. You know, how it comes from that. Yeah. So it's funny how you know people say you need all this stuff, and I think again that's the machinations of the beast system uh, coming into place. Uh, that that Satan said that you need all these things to be one with God, to be one with the Holy Spirit. And <laughs> you don't need anything other than for you to overcome uh, your own personal will mm-hmm. um, and, and, and accept God's will, accept the Holy Spirit, accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross uh, uh, for, for the sin, you know, for sins of those who accept him. He is the good shepherd. Um, so in a lot of people, it's very difficult for them to do that pride and, and anger, and I understand. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I mean, it can be very difficult, especially with anger, especially a person who's had a very hard life and a very troubled life. Uh, but they should realize that, you know, what has happened to them, they may not truly understand what parts of it or why it's happened being God's will, or they might not understand that, you know, there are some things that happen between the self-will between other human beings, too, as well, or or, or the, the universe, or Satan or demons, all combination. All that. For example, yeah. if you get a, a, yeah. a nail in your tire, um, you know, some Christians will be like, well, that's Satan, you know? Right. Well, not necessarily. It could have just been because you happened to run over that nail. Right. <laughs> or it could have been because yeah. you ran over that nail, you know, God put that nail in front of you because if you didn't, then the tractor trailer mm-hmm. in the intersection ahead would have plowed into you, yep. you know? You really don't know which one of which one of it it is, you know? We really don't. Yeah. Um, so, it's and so that also plays, I guess, into, I guess we could talk about, um, more, more modern things. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, myself, I believe that a lot of, um, Christianity today is kind of like in a, a kind of like in a, a schism, mm-hmm. um, where, um, it seems to me that, um, dominionism, it seems to me that, um, the mega churches and everything, uh, the prosperity gospel, a lot of that seems to be big, um, now more than ever where um, 
people believe, as far as like the dominionism, I think it's being pushed by the Council for National Policy. Uh, dominionism had originated um, modern times with R.J. Rush Dooney, who was a major CMP member, what they call Christian Reconstructionism. And we're getting a lot of that through um, the, the wars in Iraq, uh, feeling justifi- justified for, for that, kind of like uh, Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series, which Tim LaHaye was also a CMP member of kind of, it's almost like Sabbatean in a way where, and, and have you guys ever seen the family documentary, which I know it does have a lot of liberal propaganda in it, but mm-hmm. the family documentary on Netflix yeah. by yeah. chance. Yeah. Okay. So when uh, uh, Doug Coe's son talks about, well, it doesn't matter if you raped a child, um, you're, you're elected, you're elected, you know, you got elect you. So that, that's fine. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're one of the chosen. Mm-hmm. That's a major problem. Yeah. And I think that's antithesis to the Bible. I think that's antithesis to the words of Jesus Christ. Um, that I, I believe, I don't believe in what they call the doctrine of election, that, that God created some souls uh, to not accept him and to burn in hell mm-hmm. or burn in the, be cast into the lake of fire. And I think that takes away, and a lot of it's steeped in Calvinism, but it goes above Calvinism. Even Calvin didn't, you know, completely preach the complete doctrine of election. Um, So it leads more into people thinking that they are, Christians thinking that they are the chosen people within dominionism and that, you know, they can do whatever they can because they are chosen and they don't have to repent for their sins. They don't have to ask God for forgiveness. They don't have to walk with Christ. Whatever happens, happens. You can meet with the enemy. You can break bread with the enemy. Heck, you could even be the enemy. And I think that's where a lot of this Mm. problem is. We see certain characters that we think are, that may be Christian even Republicans, you know, like people that you normally think are Christian, like some people say Donald Trump, uh, some people say Ted Cruz, you know, they do all these things where, you know, wait, you think that they're conservative, you think that they're a Christian, but they practice this dominionism within the family that they think that they're elected, and therefore, since they're elected by God, they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Like, they look at David not as a flawed man who, 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 you know, battled his own flesh and tried to be with God but still succumb to his own flesh to God elected him as king. Therefore David could do whatever he wanted. And I think that's a perversion of the gospel. What, yeah. what would you guys say to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I definitely agree with that. You know, uh, it, it also, it, it echoes with that whole replacement theology that, um, that is been going around through the church for, you know, the last 30 or 40 years or so that I can, that I know of. Um, it's in the, it's in the same vein as that. Um, when I think about like politics in particular with uh, with Christianity, um, historically they've never really gone well. <laughs> it's never turned out well for Christianity when they get in bed with politics. And the first thing that I think of is you know Constantine, you know, just way back when, and uh, how that turned out for the believers, uh, how it corrupted the church, you know. And and I think that's the basic tool of Satan in this instance is that he wants to corrupt the church. And so if the worldly system is in po- that's in power, if he can somehow, you know, employ the church to be connected to it, um, then he's got a great inroad there because it's going to require compromise on the part of the church to continue forward and to get the things that they want, which is the comfort and the prestige and those type of things and the honor, you know, that they want. Does that make sense? Very, very, mu- very much so. And that's how Abraham uh, Variety, who started the family, 
uh, that's what he believed. And they talk a lot about it in the family documentary that, you know, uh, as the elected, they have to go meet with the Wolf King. Mm. So, okay. So as the elective, you have to break bed, bread with Satan. Wow. Should we break bread with the good shepherd? Yeah, right. Shouldn't we, <laughs> as shepherds of those trying to, you know, work for the good shepherd is trying to bring people uh, to Christ. Uh, shouldn't we break bread with him? We shouldn't go to the Wolf King and make a deals with the Wolf King, which is Satan. Uh, why would we do such a thing? Like that is a, they, they, like when I watched that, I was like, wow, this is really what they believe is that they should go around and they should talk with all these powerful people, all these Illuminati leaders and break bread with mm. them. And, and, but they don't see that they're corrupting themselves. They don't see that because as Christians, we're supposed to ask for repent, repent. We're supposed to walk with Jesus, we're supposed to emulate Jesus, we're supposed to revere God. Yeah. We're supposed to do all these things. Now, I'm not saying that we don't stumble, that we don't fall, that we don't give into the flesh. You know, we will, you know, that's one of the criticisms of Christians that I think is unfair that we are holy like Christ. We can never be, we are made from flesh. Um, but we do our best to try to repent and try to be better people. Um, and that's the, 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 the my issue with the doctrine of election, other than, I guess the biggest issue me having is, I think it totally negates Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Because if God made people to perish in the lake of fire and God made people to accept them, then what, what was Jesus sacrificed for? Right. What was it for? Yeah, right. Because, because, because it is your own. Now, I'm not saying that God can't influence your life to accept him. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you still have to make the personal, personal choice to accept the Holy Spirit into your heart. Because if not, what is this for? I mean, what are, what are you guys doing? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, Turner, what are you doing on the pulpit? You know, what, what, what is any of this? If, if we're all elected, you know, and, and you get that superiority when you're elected. Well, I could do whatever I want because I'm special, because God chose me. So it doesn't matter that I, you know, do horrible things like sleep with hookers and cheat on my wife or God forbid, you know, molest children or anything like that. None of that matters. It doesn't matter because I'm elected by God. That, that's dangerous thinking. Yeah. Yeah, most and, and that's been heretic since forever. Yeah. I get you, you know a lot of the a lot of your extreme Calvinists, which really fall into that category so much, um, they don't even evangelize. And I don't want to criticize if there's someone that's an extreme Calvinist listening, but when you take it, when you carry that theology out to the furthest extent, it does indict God, and it, it actually it um, mocks His character that's already been revealed in Scripture, because we know that God's chief character is that His His love. God is love, right? That's the chief characteristic that we know of God is that he is a loving God. Yes, he's a God of justice, and he's a God of judgment and sovereignty, and he can surely say that you're elect because he stands outside of time and space, so he looks down into time so easily, and he knows what the future holds. He knows the beginning from the end, right? So God can proclaim those things, but when we carry that theology out to the furthest extent, what it does is it begins to minimize who God is and indict him. And for instance, if if I'm an extreme Arminianist, which is someone who says my free will is what rules, then you would carry that out to the furthest extent one direction. What that means is that God cannot interact into your life whatsoever. Do It means 100% do what thou will. Right. You can take yeah. it to that extreme. Right. When you go the opposite direction on the other side for Calvinism, you know, or what I'm claiming is Calvinism, extreme, you know, Calvinism in this sense, uh, then all of a sudden you don't have a free will and everything is ordained by God. And what that means is those people that have rejected him, you know, quote unquote rejected him, God actually made them without the ability to actually accept him. They were unable 
to receive him. So why would he make someone and then make them, and he's a righteous judge, and he makes them in such a way that when they stand before him, they aren't going to be able to actually, they would, God would say, why would I let you into heaven? And they, they would say, well, uh, I never accepted you, and you didn't make me so that I could accept you, so how could I accept you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's the whole, the enable, or you know, the, the whole election, you know, you're not elect, um, theology carried out to the furthest term, which is both sides are, are wrong. They're wrong. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I believe in predestination and that God is outside of time and space and he knows what's going to happen in all of our lives. Uh, since we were born to our death, he knew us even beforehand. Um, and and, and I, I do believe that God can push us. You know, God can, you know, through angels or through, through himself, the Holy Spirit can, can push us and nudge us, you know, into the direction that he wants us to go. Ultimately, we fulfill his will. But we do have self-will too as well. Um, you know, and we can we can we can we can uh, dig our heels down, and some people may become filled with the orphan spirit and reject the spirit of sonship, and in doing so, uh, be rebellious. You know, we can dig our heels and say, "I'm not going to do it, God," or "God, I'm not going to believe in you." He gave us that choice because without that choice, if, you know, to, to someone who's out there who's completely, you know, doctor of election, completely extreme Calvinist, you can't believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. To me, I think it's, I can't, I think you I just can't without, you know, without believing that a person has to have the self-will determination to accept the Holy Spirit, yeah. accept Jesus Christ into their life. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people take, take, you know, Ephesians from Paul and Romans from Paul and saying, look, you know, even Thessalonians, um, you know, I think, I think it's like Romans 15, uh, 16, if I remember, and Ephesians, I think it's one eleven. Um, there's many different uh, biblical past passages that they will use for the doctrine of election. Um, but I just, I, 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 it, it defeats my, my I think it's like the ultimate form of Christian nihilism. Mm-hmm. If doctrine of election is real, then what's the point? Right. What's the point of us doing anything? Yeah. Like, what's the point of us giving glory to God? Because we're already saved. He already chose, you know, what's the point of, what's the point of any of it? Right, and it's it, it for Christian nihilism, in my opinion. Yeah, because why would you do good if you were if you're going to be saved regardless? Why would, yeah, exactly. And why you know why would you? Or, you know, if you could, uh, I guess it even gets kind of into my criticisms of a work based uh, salvation. Is oh yeah, if I'm you know cheating, cheating on, I don't want to say cheating on my taxes because, you know, I don't have any problem with that necessarily. <laughs> but if I'm cheating on my uh, my wife and I'm, you know, banging. Is there a little bit of disclosure here? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I've never cheated on my taxes. Well, I, yeah, no, I haven't. But, um, uh, you know, if I'm just, uh, what, yeah, what's keeping me from doing anything good if I'm going to be saved in the end? Because, you, you know, if I'm elect and I'm predestined to be saved, and Jesus' blood is sufficient, you know, within this little thing, if Jesus' blood is sufficient for all sins, right? And I'm covered by that because I'm elect, so anything I can do, it doesn't matter. Why would I do, you know, why wouldn't I just go completely flesh at the end for everything? Why wouldn't I bang as many chicks as I wanted to without consequences, do whatever I want to do, if I believe that I'm going to be saved and I can't do anything to unsave myself anyways, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what's the, what's the point? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, what, what, what's the point of living as the Christian life? What's the point of helping anybody? Why don't you just go ahead and succumb to the flesh? Why not? Yeah, you know, exactly. and that's what these people believe. And to me, it's insane. It's insane that a lot of you know the conservatives that are, have a lot of power um, that they all learn this and they all preach this. And if and one thing you, if you listen to, watch the the, the book, uh, read the book, the family, or watch the documentary, they don't read the Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's Jesus plus nothing. Mm-hmm. So they don't read the Bible, and then whatever Bible they do read, it's small. Like they carry around a version of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. With just the Gospels, yeah. mainly. So it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you right. know, I mean, it, 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 and look, I'm not saying that you know Christianity hasn't had. It's like the, it's like a, the way I look at Catholicism or the way I look at the church, and that it's like a tree, and parts of the tree have died off during certain times of history. Okay. And, and I'm not saying that God doesn't, you know, graft or, or re- renew the tree uh, through different things, but um, it, it was once perfect and it slowly, he's talked about the churches of revelation of how some of them, you know, hold steadfast and some of them did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we'll get to that. Um, but it, dominionism to me is like the ultimate form of heresy. Mm-hmm. Because it's do what thou will. It's it's so much like Sabbatianism, where they believe that almost that they by doing these foreign wars within the Middle East, that they have the audacity to think that they they can bring they can bring God and Jesus down here. They want a theocracy, you know, under a biblical law. Yeah, but that can't happen to New Jerusalem. Right. That's right. So why do they think they can do it? Well, I mean, and why do they think that they can bring, you know, not even, you know, only the father knows. Why do they think that they can bring, you know, oh, that sounds like Satan mm-hmm. to me. That sounds like Satan's work. You know, bringing, that doesn't sound like you're bringing God down. It seems like you're bringing Satan, you're releasing Satan upon the earth. Yeah. And remember when, uh, well, this reminds me of two two different stories, you know, one, one from uh, in the Gospels, when when Jesus took the disciples up to um, oh Capernaum, I think it was. I can't remember the name of the of the place where he was, but he basically said, "Who do you say the Son of Man is?" And and yeah. Peter says, "Oh, you're the Son of the Living God," you know. And he says, "Hey, God hasn't you know this hasn't been revealed to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven." And then just a short time later, he, Jesus is telling him that he's going to have to go to the cross to die. And he's like, oh, that will never happen. I'll never let that happen. You know, I'm going to protect you. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so you have that whole concept of what was the purpose of Jesus' first coming. And you had many people who followed him in the gospel times during his ministry that thought he was supposed to be this earthly king, that he was going to evict Rome. He was going to become this, you know, king that would evict Herod and that he would, um, you know, establish Israel the way that uh, God had promised through scriptures that wasn't yet to happen. And it feels like it's that same mindset when you think about this dominionism, like we're going to bring it, like we want kingdom now, like, you know, as it is on earth. So, you know, as it is in heaven, so it is on earth. And you know, what's curious to me, and maybe you can help me with this, John, because I've thought about this a little bit, but isn't there a cultic practice where they say as above, so below? Very much so. Doesn't this sound yeah. similar? <laughs> I, I exactly sounds like it. I mean, through all the you know podcasts that you guys have done on the secret societies, this is just ancient Babylon. This is just ancient mm-hmm. mystery Babylon, re 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 uh, pushing itself like it has throughout history. Whether it's the Jesuits, 
um, whether it's um, the, uh, the, um, the Knights of Malta, which many Council for National Policy members are in modern day, whether it's um, the Knights Templar, it's, it's, it's the same teachings. It's the same. It's antithetical to uh, Jesus Christ. It's antithetical to God. Um, and and it's, it's, it's literally what the Sabbatianism, it's all been there. It's, it's, it's literally trying to bring, instead of bringing God down to man, which they try to make it seem like it is, which it is not, it's trying to bring Satan, release Satan upon the earth. Yeah. And, and it's the most ludicrous thing I've ever, you know, once you finally realize that it's in place and that's what's going on, you know, it, it really, if you step back and it makes you think, you're like, wow, you know, how can these people it, 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 who claim to be Christian, um, and a lot of them are, cons- many, but more, majority of them are conservatives, you know, they're conservatives that are part of the family and they claim to be Christian, but yet they're dominionists and they want to establish the council for national policy too. They want to establish this theocracy mm-hmm. and they want to be the Kings of it. And I'm like, well, that sounds like the book of revelation, but that sounds like you guys are going to be with, in league with Satan, <laughs> not in league with God, because this theocracy <laughs> cannot happen until new Jerusalem. I read the Bible, <laughs> uh, you know, so you can't, if you're going to do it, you're going to fail. It doesn't matter if you think you're elect or not. That's bull crap. <laughs> so. That's true, man. That's so true. Rosie, yeah. No, I was going to say, I mean, this is one of the distinguishing things, uh, just the whole thing that we were talking about, uh, Turner, that you're talking about, the uh, that, that they wanted Jesus to uh, be a governmental ruler here on earth, mm-hmm. is there? there's a whole group of people that are still waiting for a Messiah to come that will institute a theocratic one outside of the, you know, it will be the first coming is that's what the Judaism is still waiting on. Right. Right. They're waiting, waiting for the Messiah. On, yeah, they're, still, they're literally waiting. They're, on, they're still waiting on Elijah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that's what they say. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, that's a, uh, I don't want to get into that, but it, I mean, it's uh it's just interesting. Yeah. That we, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. That, that's all that pointed in my head. I feel <laughs> <laughs> well, the thousand year reign is going to be his earthly throne. And that's what he promised to David. He said that your throne will go on forever. That's what right. Samuel said to David when he anointed him as king. And, uh, you know, so he established him as this, he promised that there would be this eternal right. throne. And it is, he's at the right, you know, Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father. The earth is his footstool and and he will return and establish an earthly throne for a thousand years. And that's going to be when we'll see the realization of that prophecy from Samuel about David's throne. Yeah, but I was going to say that, I mean, that's a distinguishing thing that I think gets kind of muddied in the waters right now is that, uh, you know, I would say Christians don't, we aren't, like, yeah, it'll be cool when Jesus is back here and he reigns with us and we, you know, depending on, you know, that we'll have places and, you know, e- e- I think you always say, Turner, I'll just be happy to sweep the streets and you know, yeah. <laughs> new, the new heaven and the new earth here on earth. And it'll be awesome to be with Christ anyway in a physical form, in a more intimate form than maybe we have now, like to be walking around with him. But that's not why we're like, called to faith. Like, I don't, I don't know of any Christians, maybe it's I have good friends, that are super stoked and like that's why they want to become a Christian and follow Christ is so that they can have reign over non-believer or whoever's left that isn't part of the hierarchy you know like do you know do you get what i'm saying like i don't i don't it's kind of selling ourselves short if that's all we want for christ is to institute a government well yeah 
the the here now, like the kingdom now theology, yeah, that, that is so intertwined with dominionism. Um, it just it shortchanges all that God. Right, exactly. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I, I don't want like that's cool that when we get a, a Jesus to come down and rule with him, but I'm I'm I want so much more than that. <laughs> you know, like that's not why I gave my faith to him to be you know part of this hierarchical structure, which is what comes with it. But that's not the ultimate hope that I have. Right. Right. Is that, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So where, John, where do you see this going in in our in our federal government here in the states? Like, where do you see this ending up? There's always going to be a war between both sides of the pyramid, the Council of Foreign Relations, that wants to move us to uh, uh, liberalism and kind of like a open, like a like a kind of like a UN agenda, yeah. and the CMP that want a um, kind of like a, a dominionist theocracy. Even though at the top they are connected in their lockstep, but I'm talking about when you get down into the the, the bottom parts of the pyramid, there's they, they're at war quotation marks. Mm-hmm. But all of it is just to bring for. Uh, uh, what is foretold in Revelation, where I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime or not, but we're getting more and more closer to it, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With oh, everything yeah. that's going on. Um, but, you know, it, again, that's, it seems to be more and more, yeah, like I, I, pretty much every, my opinion, pretty much everyone in the United States government in some form or fashion to some degree is, 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 is not our guy and is bought out. Um, I was going to play a, 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 a clip of Donald Trump. Yeah, please go um, ahead. Uh, real quick, it's about two minutes. I said it to you guys. I, you won't be able to hear it when I play it on my end, but I'm going to go ahead and play it now. Um, with him, with uh, CMP, uh, Frank Luntz. Uh, Frank Luntz has done many polls for the Council for National Policy. This is them at the uh, Family Leadership Council, um, which also has connections to the CMP as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and listen from, to Donald Trump real quick. Uh, him talking about uh, forgiveness. And, uh, and let's go ahead. I'm, I'm going to play it. And let's go ahead. Now. I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. Shockingly, these people are so shocked when they find this out. Uh, I'm Protestant, I'm Presbyterian, and I go to church and I love God and I love my church. And Norman Vincent Peale, the great Norman Vincent Peale was my pastor. The power of positive thinking. Everybody's heard of Norman Vincent Peale. He was so great. He would give a sermon. You never wanted to leave with Sometimes we have sermons. Every once in a while we think about leaving a little early, right? You know what first Dr. Norman Vincent Peale Frank would give a sermon, would give a sermon. I'm telling you, I still remember his sermon. It was unbelievable. And what he would do is he'd bring real life situations, modern day situations, into the sermon. And you could listen to him all day long. When you left the church, you were disappointed that it was over. He was the greatest guy. And then, you know, he passed away, but he was a great guy. He wrote the power positive language, which is great. What have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure I have. I just go on and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think I, if, I, if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go to church and, and when I drink other wine, which is about the only wine I drink, and have my little cracker, I guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed. Okay? But, uh, you know, to me, that's important. I do that. In terms of officially, I should, I'd say, I could say absolutely, and everybody, I don't think in terms of that. I, I think in terms of let's go on and let's make it right. So let's... 
Okay, so about that clip. Um, so it's the 2015 Family Leadership Council. Um, and we're going to talk about Norman Vincent Pill in a minute because I've done a lot of research on Trump's uh, uh, power positive thinking mm. uh, minister that he grew up listening to. Um, so Trump first starts out, he doesn't say I'm a Christian. He goes, I'm religious. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, uh, and then he goes, yeah, I'm a Presbyterian. I grew up in the Presbyterian church and, uh, you know, and okay, fine. You know, still hasn't said he's a Christian yet. Uh, and, uh, and, um, then he goes on to discuss, uh, you know, that, uh, when he does something wrong, when he commits uh, an act that he feels bad for, um, he, uh, he, um, he, he doesn't ask God for forgiveness. He doesn't repent. You know, he just tries to make it right, which is a very new age, you know, karmic way of looking at things, mm-hmm. you know, not repenting to God. I am a sinner. I, you know, I, please forgive me. I, you know, I'm not saying that we don't also make it right. I'm not saying that at all, mm-hmm. but the sin of Christianity is, is, is to do both, is to do both. It's to pray to God, to ask for forgiveness for the sins that you commit so that you uh, show reverence to God. Then for, from there to try to change your behavior. And then from there to try also to make amends. You don't skip the first part. That's a major tenet of Christianity. Right. That is a major tenet of being a Christian. You don't skip the first part and immediately go to step three. That's a problem. And granted, he didn't, you know, so that, I mean, that's a major, there's something wrong there. And it wasn't, and even Frank Luntz even asked him, you know, and I don't think Frank Luntz is our guy at all, but kind of get him to clarify. And Trump doubled down. Mm. He, you know, he, he further was like, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's asking God or talking to God about this is not trying to, you know, it does not enter my equation. It doesn't happen, you know. Yeah. And then he goes, well, I drank my wine. Well, I thought Trump didn't drink. But then again, if he's a Presbyterian, they don't drink wine. It's grape juice. Trust me, I grew up as a Presbyterian for years. We <laughs> drink grape juice and ate bread. Um, but, you know, so in my opinion, and I, I think majority of the world leaders, the majority of people in Congress are not Christians, even though they claim to be. They're, they're Masons or Satan, Satanists. Um, but, but just by listening to this clip alone, Trump does not seem Christian. Um, and I bought, I voted for Trump in 2016. I thought he was Christian at the time. Um, but I, and I don't, and some people say we've had conversions. Well, a conversion to Christianity and, you know, well, why, you know, that he's, he's got a lot of people around him that I think are snakes if that's the case. And I don't think that's the case. Like, uh, Paula White, yeah. um, uh, Jake, John Kenneth Blackwell, um, so, you know, you're seeing PJ, John Kenneth Blackwell. So, I mean, I, again, this is, you know, CMP, Dominionism. And in my opinion, you might, you know, some people might say, well, what about Mike Pence? I, again, I think with Mike Pence, I hate to say this, it's more of the family Dominionism election. You know, Pence is very strong within this, the Council for National Policy, very strong. They were who uh, put told Trump to pick him for vice president um, because he wanted to get the evangelical base. Um, to my opinion, neither one of them are any better as far as looking at the Christian lens, in my opinion. Um, and just like when you go to the Council for National Policies website, you see what they stand for. They stand for uh, strong national defense, uh, Judeo-Christian values, um, which I, in my opinion, I think it's take the Judeo part off Christian values um, as a Christian. Um, but it, it seems to be that's what they put forth with all this. It's dominionism. It's extreme Calvinism, the doctrine of election. And, it, and, it, and it's not what I believe Christianity is, which is we should, you know, read our Bibles and 
and have fellowship with one another and uh, give community uh, and charity to, to, to locally help our feather, fellow man and, and, yeah. and everything. This seems to be the farthest from that, you know, yeah. repenting and all that. Like this seems to be the farthest from what Christianity really is. What, what do y'all think? Yeah. So I think yeah. what, <laughs> I think what happens is for so long Christians, you know, so in particular the last eight years, or, or nine years or so, uh, Christians were just completely outcast. And if you were a believer in in any type of political office, especially in the capital, you kind of had to keep your head low. You weren't liked. Um, there was just so much against. There was so much anti-Christ rhetoric and movement happening coming from the top. Yeah, coming from the top. And I think what, and this is what's sad. And it's so it's twofold. It's it's it's. I think that. The believers that were in office that were true, not you know, not some bizarre sect of Protestantism, but but like true believers, born again, and uh, love the Word of God, that type of of belief. And there are a few in there that I know of, and um, I think they were so beaten up that they finally had somebody who was they felt like was on their side way more than what they had experienced with Obama. And then the second thing is, is it's truly indicative of the state of the Christian church, the evangelical Christian church in America, that it is so confused and it has fallen off of its, um, it's, it's really moved away from its core values. Um, I think that, you know, real believers, when they stand in there, they're going to, they're not, they're not going to tolerate some of that stuff. They're just not. And so you probably have some real believers that are in office that are just distancing themselves from this. And I hear a lot of people criticizing, cri- believers criticizing Trump and the administration and all of that. And then I hear a whole lot more people that are Christian that are just in love with him. Mm. And the best thing I can say is I heard someone describe it as like, like uh, Cy- was it, uh, not Cyrus, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know? Um, you- oh, we, 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 we could talk, we could, we could. We- we could talk about Cyrus the Great and the administration's love of <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, I, I, I think I Trump mean, loves he. I think Trump's ego loves the stroke. He loves being admired. I think, I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about like people like Pompeo, who's infatuated with Cyrus the Great, and most of the Council for National Policy is where they went as far as to say, and Pompeo tweeted that uh, we got uh, the founding fathers. I believe are most were Mason, Masonic, and Deists, and very few of them, if any, were Christian. Yeah. Um, they, they venerated Cyrus the Great, and uh, that's where we got all of our constitution and amendments and democracy, republic, I guess a republic from. Uh, ideas of republicanism was from Cyrus the Great. Well, I didn't hear about that in any uh, textbook. Did you guys hear about that in any textbook? <laughs> when you went to, no, uh, no. School? <laughs> that's news to me, man. Uh, but yeah, I think, well, I think Trump is equated, like I've heard him equated as like as Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, useful. I mean, this is gonna sound horrible, and if you voted for him, I voted for him, so I thought he was the right choice. Yeah, same here. But just, useful say. idiot is probably the best way, you know, and for whatever the future would, whatever God was doing. And but now that we're into this, I, I've, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, true confessions here. I'm new to being woke, so <laughs> you guys are like head and shoulders beyond me. Probably most of your listeners know 10 times more than I do about a lot of these things. And I'm on the fast track trying to speed up and catch up and I'm reading a ton of stuff. But uh, so if I misspeak, just forgive me, you know, be gracious with me. But um, I think that uh, Trump is a useful idiot in that sense that he is like a Nebuchadnezzar. God, God put him in, allowed him to make 
that place of office, and he is using him to set up something. I don't think it's something that's going to be good for the church, though. That's the unfortunate part. Yeah, I definitely can see that. It's not going to be good for the church. It's not going to be good for the nation. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I didn't know about the CMP till 2006, late, mid 2016. Uh, I voted for Trump myself. It was a huge mistake. I'm never going to vote again, um, in my, in my opinion. Um, but I, it's just, I didn't know. I didn't know any of this stuff. I always, you know, I always heard about the CFR and the left side of things and yeah. how evil Obama is, the United Nations and stuff like that. And now as a Christian, seeing how the Catholic national policy is, and they venerate Babylon, they really venerate Babylon and, mm-hmm. and also later, you know, Cyrus the Great and everything. And um, they, they, I, I talk about them the most, one, because they're in power right now. And two, because as a Christian, I find their belief in dominionism as abhorrent. And it makes me look bad as a Christian. Uh, it represents Christianity in a very negative light, yeah. um, and, and, and I think that harms us. Um, and you know, and, and it, you know, it hurts to see family members that I have who you know are Christians who point, you know, you know, put, you know, push heavily, you know, that conservatives are really for Christian. I'm not saying that all of them may not be, but there are a lot of them who, who are within this beast system. Yeah, um, and they and they. Um, they, 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 you know, they'll post that Trump's, you know, fighting for us Christians and stuff like that and everything. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a very tough, very tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, and it took me for a long time and a lot of research to come to this. Um, I wish I was wrong. I wish I was wrong. I wish, you know, Q was right and trust the plan and <laughs> Trump's our guy. And, uh, but, but yeah. no, um, and, um, you know, God does give us leaders, uh, put leaders in place sometimes uh, for mistakes to happen, for for uh, for things, you know, for, for things, you know, revelation has to happen. You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and no, no, you know, some people are post-trib or pre-trib or mid-trib. I'm more of a post-trib person that will be suffering before uh, tribulation or before rapture. Um, but that, you know... We're, we're, we're here, you know, not as a dominionist, say, to hasten God's, um, to make, you know, God happen to come down or for Jesus, the coming of Jesus to occur. Um, as Christians, we're, we're, we're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to do our best to, to, to lead the sheep and to wake them up and, 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 and tell them about the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, and show the truth, the way, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. And how many people are really doing that nowadays? It's very few. Um, especially, you know, preachers in the pulpit and churches and stuff like that, where, you know, you have a lot of this dominionism election, a prosperity gospel, you have all these subsets that uh, the church is really hurting right now mm-hmm. uh, because of this. And that's what uh, this dominionist theology was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a grand revival uh, by R.J. Rushdoony. But if anything, it was not. It deeply fractured and hurt uh, modern day Christianity. Um, and drove more people away from it um, because, you know, and it, it's sad that that's what happened. Yeah. I don't know if it was supposed to be like that from the start, but that is what happened. Well, um, and I, yeah. I mean, I know people personally who won't be Christians because or refuse to even think about it or discuss it because of, you know, what's associated with Christianity now. Yeah. You know, it, it's a major problem, in my opinion. And, you know, the, the church is, is incredibly uh, consumeristic now, by, by and large. Like, when you, when you talk about 
when I talk, when I say that, I'm making a very broad swath. I know that there are fellowships and community of believers that are not that way, but but my experience is that a majority of believers that go to church regularly on Sundays to big churches and they're there as a consumer, uh, you know, rather than a contributor to the faith in in the sense that they're looking to build themselves up so they can carry it out um, throughout the week and and share, like you were saying, share with other people. And because there's a consumeristic mindset that's in, that's really in, that's taken on the church in America, um, what happens is it's prime and it's ripe to be to fall for some of this dominionism, you know, theology because it caters to what you want, mm. you know. Yes. It caters. It caters to. It caters to the flesh. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say it, it, it is a weird dichotomy, and I kind of find myself, or I have. I mean, truth be told, in some respects, it, it, it's just this weird thing when I think about, uh, especially just speaking as an American and a, a real conservative, is that like I'll see. Uh, I, like I'll hear a good speech from like a politician who's. Mm-hmm. you know is espousing the value you know even christian values where they're talking and they give a good speech and i'm like all right that's cool and it kind of seems dull even if they're talking about new things but it's just like this rev- i get filled up when i hear like a good uh a good sermon from in a in a different way like when i hear a really good sermon it hits me in a different way and i think that's something to take a part of that, you know, like the political speech versus like a good speech from the pulpit that's, you know, righteous and full of truth and preaching the Bible, you know, in the, the good ways. And it's just weird that I don't see, um, I see a lot of conservatives putting their, like conservatives that claim to be Christians, that they're putting this, even other politicians that speak up really good, you know, I, I've been uh, I've been in this thing where I don't watch TV. I haven't been watching TV, but I know that the impeachment hearings are going on, and I've heard just because of work, like I know that there's <laughs> been some like stars, and everyone's like, yeah, that's our guy, you know, that's our guy. He's like speaking truth to power and all this stuff, and he's owned the libs and all this stuff. And it's weird that we we don't talk about like really good preachers in the same way. Like as Americans, we feel. I've just seen a lot of people that would rather put their like elevate their heroes of like the government over heroes that are, you know, saying really good stuff from the pulpit. And it's not, it doesn't have to be like a big pulpit or anything. I have one guy in mind that I just absolutely love. Um, But they could be saying the same thing and people think it's more brave, like in the government. I don't know. They're like, Oh, this guy's like super I don't know. It, it's, yeah. it's been coming. No, to- no, I, I hundred percent agree with you, Rosie. It's, it's a, it's a major problem. Yeah. It's a major problem. Um, and, 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 and people, instead of, instead of, you know, wanting to go with the pastor, I believe the bigger churches, when you get to a mega church, you know, usually that's a sign that they probably weren't speaking sound doctrine, mm. you know? So the smaller the church, the more local the churches you can find, even house churches to some degree, um, I do think that's where you're going to find majority of the, the pastors that are speaking the truth, um, because people don't want to hear that. You know, they they don't they don't want to hear the gospel spoken to them unless unless they're you know walking with the Lord and they well, Holy Spirit and they they read their gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, they want the feel good you know proselytizing uh, message of Joel Osteen or 
or, you know, like you know, Trump mentioned Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking, that it's all positive. You can manifest everything. God wants you to have everything, uh, you know, prosperity gospel. So they want their Joel Steen, their Rick Warrens. You know, that's what people want. And, but when it comes to, to the politics side of it, you know, they, they, it's raw. It's all raw, raw go team. Yeah. You know, and, and people don't really, like, for example, you know, I could listen to Thomas Massey uh, when I had to do research, speak to the 60th uh, anniversary party of the um, John Birch Society mm-hmm. and sit here and go, yeah, I agree with about 90% of what Thomas Massey said. As you know, as, as just being a conservative or traditionalist in my beliefs, but knowing where the John Birch Society came from and knowing, you know, you know, there's, you know, none of, you know, these people are our guys, Ron Paul, like, no, no, no. Yeah. So it, it, you, you can sit there and you can say, you know, that's what they see. Well, even like a lot of the Republicans when they get up and speak, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that from a conservative mindset. Yeah, I agree with them, but they don't practice that. They don't practice what they preach. I mean, how many times have we held to the fire uh, Republicans for never following through since I don't know right, right. before Reagan, you know, I mean, so it, it's, so that's where we're at. So it's the same with our pastors, you know, people don't want, the pastors that hold them to the fire, the pastors that make them grow their faith, the right. pastors that don't tell them what they want to hear, uh, they reject them. And instead, they go with the pastors that make them feel all nice and warm and fuzzy on the inside and mm-hmm. and everything. So, um, well, yeah, and I yeah, was going to say there's another part of that I, with that whole thing of like a conservative Christian is more, you know, in my opinion, to like a, s- s- tout the, uh, the the, I don't know, place above reproach these uh, these guys. It it almost comes down to like I, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm 100. I'm proud to be an American. I love being American, but like Christianity is not American. You know, like Jesus wasn't an American, and that and I don't mean that in the way of um, like I you know I'm I like my guns. You know, like and all that stuff. You know, I like the values. Um, for the most part, that America espouses, like I said, I'm proud to be an American. I wouldn't want to be born anywhere else. I feel very fortunate. But, you know, I'm getting more and more that why aren't people just, you know, proud to be Christians in the same way? Mm-hmm. Like they're not saying like, you know, the when we espouse the values like, oh, First Amendment, First Amendment, First Amendment, blah, 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 blah. As opposed to like, hey, this is what Jesus said about, um, you know using your words you know the power of your words because, because yeah. the new age and the b system have a scare to do so that we're going to get yelled at and have our heads bitten off mm-hmm. right and, and um, i was going to say you look at like the persecution or where the the church has been flourishing is it's not been in the west it's it's really been you know not where we're in this this lap of luxury where we can even have i don't even know how big of a building you know hundred thousand square feet, whatever. I'm just throwing out numbers. Some big mega church. Like what are the per- percentage if you were to go and ask every single of the 10,000 people there? Hey, you know, like a pew. Re- what do you believe this? Do you believe this? You know, biblical truths and all this stuff in America or even in West uh, Western Europe's even worse, but we're not like, we're not under hardship in the same way yet that like where there's real faith and flourishing is in these, you know, house churches in China or, you know, in Africa where there's, you know, these revivals of, you know, these people where they're going to get killed, you know, like if they espouse the values and they 
seem like they are more open to do so when they know that they're going to be killed. You know what I mean? It's, oh, very uh, much so. It's but, just weird. But it's, still, but it's still here in America too. I got to, I got to counter argue about that a little yeah. bit. Um, and, you know, people that have house churches or small congregations here where the pastors are not afraid to uh, have the Holy Spirit fill them from the scripture. Uh, you'll see that more and more, uh, you know, here too. It's it's still here. It's still alive and well. I yeah. think a lot of it's suppressed by the media. I think a lot of it's suppressed by Good point. Um, yeah. our, our own biases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, but I can't, I understand with you when you, when your faith is put to the test, when the hammer meets the, you know, meets the road, um, that is when you're the most ready to fight for it. Yeah. I, uh, and here in the United States, we don't necessarily have that. I do agree. I do see that. Point. Well, yeah. Like I could sum it up in the same way of like, you see all these, uh, first amendment advocates or free speech maximalists and, or, you know, all these, uh, people that are, you know, I'm willing to die and be locked up for the, for free speech. So I can say something offensive and I can own the libs and, you know, men are men are men and women are women. And, you know, don't stop me from, you know, the first amendment, blah, 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 blah. But if you were to ask him, like, are you willing to die for Christianity here? You know, and, and I'm not trying to diminish what you were just said. I totally agree. And it's a great point. No, and said. I understand what you're saying. And I agree with it too. Yeah. I was just going to say, it, I, it seems like more people are willing to die in America. Um, at least in big churches, like I said, the, these mass, and I guess this is more of an indictment on, yeah, quote unquote, big Eva, you know, big evangelicalism is, uh, you know, these people, you know, I, I would say I'm w- willing to die for Christ, but I don't know if I'm willing to die for the first amendment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know? I mean I'm willing to die for my beliefs. Uh, you know, if I die for Christ, it is what it is. I know where I'm going. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, I'm willing to die if I'm doing what's right. Um, and, you know, searching for the truth and everything. So it's, I definitely agree with you on that standpoint where it's been cast upon our political beliefs to us further, um, and moving us away from our own personal religious beliefs. Um, and you'll see that a lot. I mean, I think that's by design. I think that's definitely by design. I mean, you see that later within the, the churches of revelation, you have the churches that were rebuked and the churches that were admonished. Um, you know, you have Thyatira, which I think was Jezebel. They were they were doing goddess worship, mm-hmm. um, and you see you're seeing a lot of that now too. Within even seeping itself within the new age, seeping itself within Christianity. Yeah. Um, the Church of Pergamum um, giving into sexual immorality and idolatry, and again, you see that that's soaking itself too, as uh, as well. Um, and, and so it just continued. I mean, the, the Church of uh, uh, I think it's Laodicea. Where they um ha- is, is where I guess you would say United States the way they are now where they're the church of the lukewarm they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're the church of um you know shrug mm-hmm. right you know and and, <laughs> and, and 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 I think a lot of that is where we've come to and even I myself have been lazy and, and have been and the guilty of apathy uh, throughout you know my you know my middle fell away from the church in my middle uh, adulthood in my twenties early twenties and I still believed but I didn't go to church or I didn't read from the Bible or anything like that, it became um, lukewarm. And in Yeshua, Jesus, Jesus dislikes fence setters. You know, I mean, it, you, God dislikes fence setters. Right. <laughs> you can't just be like, uh, wherever the wind flow, you know, uh, blows, that's where I'm going to make my decision. And a lot of Christians today are like that. 
Um, you know, they're, they're too afraid. They're too beat down, you know, to, 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 to defend their faith. They'd mm-hmm. much rather defend the first amendment. They might, and I'm saying not saying the first amendment's important. Right. Right. I'm not saying the second amendment and you're not either, yeah. but they're much more willing to say that in the culture war than they are actually to defend their own Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, and I think it's been, um, uh, beaten down into them. Um, and, and, and it's, 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 it's truly sad. I mean, it, and it, I don't, I, it's very difficult to try when you try to trace it back of where that happened. I think a lot of it happened. Um, I am a Protestant. I do believe in deliverance, but I, you know, Protestantism, as far as, you know, Martin Luther and, you know, him sin boldly and the start of almost of, 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 uh, dominionistic Sabbatean was before, well, it was after Sabbatean, it wasn't before, but before Sabbatean, but like do what thou wilt started, you know, w- w- with that. And it's, it's been with us since then, even in, in branching, trying, you know, Luther was supposedly trying to church, um, and that didn't happen. Um, and it's, you know, it's shattered into, you have even Christian, what I call Christian in quotation mark cults now, like Mormonism, mm-hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses, like it's even gone farther to that extreme. Yeah. Um, so it, it, the people don't want to defend their own faith anymore. They're scared to. And that's a problem because we need people to do it the most now. Yeah, right. And I'm not going to say that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that I have this huge backbone and I'm out on the streets, you know, <laughs> right. and, but I'm not saying that at all. And I do succumb to some of it too. And, and then you have to rebuke that. Um, but that is a major problem. It is the major. And, and, and I think that's, I think that's why, the church has become so corrupted and that's foretold in revelation that, that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it has to happen for, you know, revelation for happen for Satan to, uh, quote unquote, control the earth for a period of time. Um, and he is the prince of the earth. Um, is, 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 is to, 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 to it has, the church has to really, really reduce its power for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that it's a good thing. It's a horrible thing or something that we should hasten. Um, we should, but again, we should do our best to, you know, try to wake up the sheep to try to lead them to the good shepherd and try to get them to accept Jesus and to be bold with our faith, but not bold with our sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm down, down with that. Totally. The Laodicean church that you were talking about out of revelation, the lukewarm church, you know, um, the one thing that, that Jesus rebukes them on is that they did not overcome. Uh, and what that means is they were faced with opposition. They weren't willing to stand. And if they just would have stood and made that decision, then they would have been overcomers. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I just see a setup for that right now with, you know, you were talking about house churches versus, you know, the the mega churches or whatever. And a lot of these house churches, these small, you know, small fellowships, the the pastor there can say, what needs to be said because his mm-hmm. his income is not tied to that job. Um, a, yep. lo- a lot of these guys are working, you know, they're bivocational. They have jobs outside of out of their church, you know, and um, they they grind a nine to five or more, and then they serve the church and they they have you know forty or fifty people that they're loving and serving and teaching, and it's hard work and it's really much more like what it was like in the early church. Um, now, you know, you get these mega churches and these pastors in their heart, I think a lot of these pastors in their heart, they know, they know, and they want to say some of these things. But if they say these things from the pulpit, people will leave, money will go, and bills will not get paid, and they'll lose their salary and their income and their 401 and all these other things, you know? And uh, I mean, that's 
a reality of, of, the, con- of the condition of our church today, and that's lukewarm. They love money over, you know, in one instance, they love money over the truth, and, and it's a tragedy. Um, I was fired from a megachurch because I stood in the way of not wanting to sign a non-compete agreement. They, the, the lead pastor wanted all the pastors. There was 14 pastors on staff, huge church. I love the church. I love the people, but I disagreed with this particular stance, and it was that they wanted us to sign non-compete agreement that we wouldn't work for another church for three years or within, uh, or within 30 miles of, um, of the town that we were living in. And I just said, I can't sign that. That's, that's so anti-kingdom of God. <laughs> you know, why wouldn't we want all of the churches in our area to explode and to be preaching the gospel and experiencing growth? And uh, he was doing it as a protective measure for the little kingdom that he had built. And it was, a, it was out of fear and it was out of money. That was the main reason. Because they were hugely in debt. They had built this gigantic yeah. building, you know, $20 million building or more. And um, and I understand the the thought process that he had. I I would probably be tempted to do that myself, but you can't. You you gotta you gotta stand on the side no. of truth, man. And so I got fired. And, you know. And you got fired, and God will provide for you. Oh, because yes. you stood your ground. Absolutely, He will deliver you through that. And also, uh, Turner, as you know, you know James three one. Um, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So a lot of, you know, a lot of pastors are afraid of that too. And those who walk astray, they will be judged harsher. Yeah. Because yeah. they did so. Yeah. And, and you know, <laughs> I just didn't want to be a part of that. You know, my conscience was totally convicted. The, the Holy Spirit was just, don't do this, don't do this. And I could have probably handled it better. I basically stood up in the meeting and, and I didn't grandstand, but I just said, hey, I can't be a part of this. I just want you to know right now. And when I did that, I emboldened like four other pastors and they they said, yeah, we don't like this. And it was hard because we all knew that our jobs were potentially on the line for that because he, that was the type of leadership that we were under. It was very harsh, you know, very, you know, loyal. You're going to be loyal. And if you're not, if I sense you're not loyal, then you're gone, you know. And um, And so anyways, yeah, that's how that happened. The good news is I can't get fired from that because I'm already fired. So <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about it. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Um, well, I definitely want to thank, you know, both Rosie and Turner for both being on, you know, being on this talking and, and talk with us. I definitely want to have you guys on again for sure. Oh, we didn't even get to Trinity or half the things. That I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I do anybody out there, you know, do subscribe to all out war. Do listen. Uh, you know, I, you guys had me on to discuss the finders and I am a listener and I do appreciate both y'all's perspectives on Christianity, on culture. Um, is there anything else that you guys both want to say? Anything you guys could think of, uh, tell, you know, give out links to tell people where to, I listen to you guys on, um, the, uh, uh off of SoundCloud. Um, mm. and also off of my uh, YouTube. Um, but is there any, any links that you guys want to give out anything that y'all want to say or anything? Uh, well, first of all, man, John, we just love you, yeah. man. We, <laughs> we were, Rosie and I were just, uh, we have such great respect for you and the work that you do. And, um, we were just amazed that you would even come on our podcast when you did a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it's just been one of the greatest, uh, op, you know, things that we've, relationships that we've developed through this, which has been really cool and surprising. And, um, yeah. And we're all, we're all brothers. We're all brothers. Christ. I love you guys too as well. And 
Yeah. And uh, de- definitely thank you for that. Those are very kind words. You're making me, you're making me blush. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Stop. <laughs> but I want to thank you for the work that, you know, I mean, you know, what you guys are both doing too as well with the podcast and everything, as well as, you know, uh, Turner, you preaching and stuff like that and everything. I mean, you're, you're working, both of y'all are, you know, brothers in Christ, you're both working for the Lord. And, you know, that's one of the highest honors that anyone can do. Oh, Amen. Man. Yeah. It is an honor. But man, uh, yeah, we're available on every platform that, you can find podcasts. Um, most of our audience listens on, you know, through Apple Podcasts or iTunes, but we're on Spotify. Every yeah, yeah, pretty much like everywhere. I'll put the links. I'll put the links in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, and uh, I guess I can put the links to you guys' Twitters too, as well. Too. Yeah, oh, yeah. sure. I was yeah. Rosie runs our Twitter, and he's on no, a break. No, I do not. <laughs> I do not run the Twitter. <laughs> I am, I'm bad at social media. Me too. I'm horrible at it. But but uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for having yeah. us on. And and uh, next time we'll get on a more focused uh, <laughs> topic, and you can educate us a little bit. Oh no 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 no! You guys are very strong. You guys definitely know how to definitely know how to hang very strong in your face and everything. And I did greatly appreciate it. I it, we need more people uh, like yourselves who are speaking out there who are trying to. Uh, stay strong in the faith, stay strong with Christ and giving, speaking truth to power and giving testimony. And, and, uh, you're bold, you know, you're, you're, you're going boldly and that's, that's, that's rare in these day and age. And I greatly appreciate that from the both of you speaking about, about secret society, speaking out about the new age, uh, where many, uh, pastors and, and, and people are afraid to speak up. Christians uh, are very afraid uh, to speak out against it because it's very popular, uh, in, in this day and age. Um, and you know, of course, I'll be uh, staunch, um, anti-abortionist that you both are, I am too as well, you know, and you know, you guys have marked your podcast in weeks, you know, following the same growth as a human, uh, as, as a, as a fetus. And I greatly appreciate that too. I'm a, you know, I myself am pro-life. Um, and you see, you know, I was speaking about there's difference between abortion, which is an election and and a uh, medical procedure if necessary, which I don't think has ever really been needed to be done no. uh, to, 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 to kill the child before birthing. Um, and there's a difference between still, but we won't get into that for another discussion. Yeah. When you guys were talking about that, I wholeheartedly agree with you. There's a difference between abortion being elect, electing. So it's a procedure that you elect to have uh, and where you know, the other medical procedure as far as um, having to end the life or the life is already in the removal, like stillborn or whatever, that's, that's different. You know, there, there's a difference in termination between that and, yeah. and people don't realize that. And I greatly appreciate you guys. I forgot exactly which podcast you guys brought that up on. Um, uh, I think but it, was, it was one of the more recent ones, if I remember. Yeah, I think it was our latest one, like two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was, one, was, it was the on, yoga one, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, was I going off on a tangent? You did. You did. You went <laughs> oh, okay. off on a great tangent. It was awesome. <laughs> I love but, that. Um, I, de- I definitely want to thank you guys for having on. Uh, God bless the both of you. Um, definitely, definitely have you on again. Um, and definitely anybody out listening, go subscribe to All Out War. Uh, listen to Turner Rosie, and um, you guys take care. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for having Thanks so much, John. We'll see you, buddy. Bye, you guys. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at All Out Warcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.